Sooner fans, Longhorn Nation, welcome to episode 100 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas, and the University of Oklahoma. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. Kevin, we have had a very relaxing two weeks off from this podcast, and yet so much has occurred. We can recap a little bit of the national uh, championship game. We can talk a little transfer portal. We can talk some men's basketball. We can talk the coaching carousel. But first, tonight, as we record here in about an hour and five minutes, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Baker versus Jalen. Kevin, there is a debate on Twitter of who I'm supposed to root for. Is it even close that Oklahoma fans should not should be rooting for Baker Mayfield? Like, what no. are we even talking about? You, y'all worship that, dude. So, yes, you guys will be rooting for Baker Mayfield because he is your your god when it comes to college football. So, yeah. Jalen was a one-year guy. Jalen Hurts was a nice player, but I got to tell you, I don't know that I actually liked him when he was here. He was off. He was kind of off to himself. He was a reticent guy. He, he was his own character, and that's fine, and he got us to a college football playoff. Unfortunately, he had to go up against the buzzsaw that was LSU, but he's not an endearing character. He doesn't speak just overly highly of the University of Oklahoma. Baker is the quintessential Mr. Sooner. I don't know that it's even close. I've got my Tampa Bay hat on. i got my Angry Runs Baker shirt on. I don't know what else you're supposed to do. I can't even imagine they're having this conversation on Twitter. It doesn't even make sense. No, it really doesn't, man. You guys worship Baker Mayfield. He loves OU, right? I think Jalen Hurts almost saw OU as a great opportunity for him to show that he could play in the NFL, and that's exactly what happened. I, I don't think... We've mentioned this before, right? I think uh, Lincoln Riley's greatest accomplishment was Jalen Hurts. I don't think he was a draftable quarterback when he got to Norman. and He left as a second-round pick, right? I think scouts liked him, right? They liked what he stood for from a leadership standpoint. But as far as him being able to throw the football, it just wasn't there until he got under Lincoln Riley and, you know, showed that he can lead this team to the college football play. Um. Okay. Yes, and then in addition to Jalen Hurts leading to the college football playoff, he gets to the pros, and in his second year, right, leads uh, leads the uh, Eagles to the Super Bowl where they had a tremendous chance to win that game. He was the best player on their team despite a bad fumble. He's, he made up for it with just some tremendous play, but he has been less than stellar, especially in the last half of this season. The Eagles, for lack of a better word, are limping into the wild card round against Tampa Bay is Jalen hurts. Is he hurt? Is he regressing to the mean and there's more tape on him and defenses know to, uh, how to attack him? Who, what is the more realistic version of Jalen hurts? The one we saw last year that took the Eagles to the Super Bowl, or the one that we've seen this year limping into the playoffs. You know, I think it's last year's version. You know, I think he's still a really good player, a real talented player. I think he's injured, but I think there's something bigger than that that's going on with this Philadelphia Eagles team. I don't know what it is. I mean, if you remember just a few weeks ago, they were 10 and 1 
yes. the hottest team in the NFL. Then they go out and they lose five of their last six without any major injuries, right? Even if Jalen Hurts is injured, he's still playing. But there just seems like there's something going on with the entire team, so much so that I think if they lose this game, they may fire their head coach despite making the Super Bowl last year. I think that's a mistake if they fire the head coach. You got a guy that makes the playoffs. You got a guy that gets you, you know, into the Super Bowl. I, I think you're you're asking for instability, and that's typically not a good thing in the NFL, right? You've seen yeah. the best franchises stick with a coach. The Pittsburgh Steelers, although they're losing right now to Buffalo, it doesn't matter. Pittsburgh, um, uh, other teams that have just been really, you know, steady. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens is another great example of guys that teams that stick with their coach, you know, good and bad, nothing too crazy, but when it's good, it's really good. And I, I, I think that would be a mistake talking about the Tampa Bay and Baker in, in uh, particular. I did not think, I really didn't think he was going to lead his team to the playoffs. I know it's the NFC South. I get that. I know that's a bad division, but yet at the same time, I just, I didn't trust Baker. Um, and in his wins, he looks really good. In his losses, I just, I don't know. I'm hesitant there to think about if he's that good. What do you, What's your thoughts on Baker this year? Has he secured himself a starting position for one more year in the Super in the NFL? Yeah, I think he has, right? I mean, I, I mean, I think at this point, we pretty much know what he is. Not a great or elite quarterback, right? But he's serviceable. And here's the thing. There's just not a lot of good quarterbacks. Right. So if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have to ask yourself, can we get better at this position right now? What does that look like? There's just not a lot of guys out there. So I feel like it's worked this year. No reason why it wouldn't work next year. These are his best numbers as a pro. Uh, His first season in 2018, he went for 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Um, in 2020, it was 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. But this year is 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 4,000 passing yards, 64.3% completion percentage, uh, and a 94.6 quarterback rating. Um, dude, I don't know. I guess when you read it out loud like that, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It does. It does, right? I mean, again, he's protecting the football. 10 interceptions, not bad at all, right? And again, you just have to ask yourself this. Who are we going to get that's better? Who can you get that's realistically better? When you start complaining about your quarterback, especially in the NFL, okay, if we get rid of him, how are we going to improve at this position? There's just not a lot of guys out there. Is he the best quarterback in his division? Maybe Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr, and then Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce Young, I mean, he had a rough rookie season. I think we all like him. At least we liked what he did at Alabama. He really struggled. Their offensive line could not protect him at all. And that is a small guy to uh, be out there unprotected, right? At least Kyler has a little bit more size to him, even though they're on the same height. And and mobility, at least in his first year. Yeah, at least in his first year, he was way more mobile. Elite mobility, even now, comparatively speaking, to – to Bryce Jones, so he's in a rough spot. We'll see what happens. You know, it seems like they're cleaning house there. We'll see how that ends up. But yeah, I think it may be a little bit by default. But I mean, the question, the answer to your question is yes, he is. Yeah, and so to to your point, 
that's three teams that potentially could also be looking for a quarterback in addition to the other half of the league that needs a quarterback starting with the uh, bears and working your way down. So if you're Tampa Bay, maybe you look at those stats and say, Hey, we make the playoffs. Let's just slow our roll and try to keep it rolling and improve the roster and other places and see if we can get this thing, keep this thing going. Yeah. As an Oklahoma fan and a Baker fan, it, it is, it is, um, it's exciting to see him in the playoffs. It's exciting to see him playing well. You know, the naysayers just continue to pile on year after year. Um, well, that's never going to stop, right, with any quarterback. Yeah. Right? I mean, that just that just goes with playing the position in the NFL, right, that you're going to have you're gonna have naysayers. So, but again, there's just not a lot of guys out there who are better. Uh, Philly is a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Tampa Bay. Again, kicking off here in about an hour. Uh, you got to pick Philly, Tampa Bay. You know, I, I like I like Tampa here. Um, I just don't like the way Philly has been playing. Maybe they figure out something with this offense. I know AJ Brown is not going to be going for uh, for the Eagles. Yeah, that's a I loss. So that's I a saw that loss today. There. I didn't realize I didn't realize he wasn't going to go until today. Is is that new news or is that old news? Has it been? No, a while? I mean he got hurt. He got hurt in the last game. It looked like it was a pretty bad injury at the time. So um, it, it's not a surprise to me that he's not going. I know they've got other guys. Devontae Smith is banged up too, you know. So we'll see if they can really get the running game going because they're going to need that to win. I don't know how effective Jalen is going to be as a runner. That's a big part of what they do as well. But um, we'll see, man. Uh, Jalen Hurts has Jalen Hurts just real quick as a comparison. Jalen Hurts has less yards, less touchdowns, more interceptions. Than Baker this year, mm-hmm. yeah, and you wouldn't think so, right? Just given the two teams, but again, something happened with this team to go from ten and one to what eleven and six. Um, there was a a low, uh, you know, and and, may, and they still have a chance to pull it out. But if they are to lose, if they do lose tonight to Tampa Bay, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. By the way, if they do lose tonight to Tampa Bay, um, y'all could you could say that. It was a, a slow burnout, right? Like you kind of saw it coming throughout the year. By the time they hit the playoffs, they're they're limping in. Uh, a team that um, didn't necessarily limp into the playoffs, but had one of the worst playoff losses in their franchise history, is your Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they just get destroyed, forty-eight thirty-two, to a Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers at Jerry's World. Uh, Dak goes 41 for 60 for 403 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. C.D. Lamb goes nine for 110 for 12.2. Um, and yet, if you watched the game, you know that they didn't do enough to win. And the defense, Kevin, oh, my God. If the Cowboys have to play a rushing team and they're behind, it, it's it's over. Like, it is over. Correct. Correct. I think with this Cowboys team, first and foremost, their defense, right? Dan Quinn, I know his name has been linked up. Yeah, we got with interviewed by the lots of other head coach jobs, yeah, right? And it seems yeah, like re- he was already gone, right? Because I don't know what they were trying to do. I don't know what their game plan was. But from the first drive, they couldn't stop the run, right? And they were just over pursuing everything. They're just running this simple split zone scheme, kind of like what Baylor runs. And they're just overrunning everything. They're just wide open gaps. They can't cover. And there was no pass rush. Michael Parsons was completely 
and effective getting to Jordan Love, and he was getting the ball out so quickly. It's honestly, one of the worst performances that I've seen. And I think we can both agree that this Cowboys team, this is a good team. Go ahead. Real quick, well, real quick, I just want to pile on to the defensive woes. There were more coverage busts in one game than I saw in any single Oklahoma game this year. Like wide open receivers that were just running free, you know, which used to be a staple of an Alex, or it still is a staple of an Alex Grinch offense, you know. And even Oklahoma last year had a lot of, or two years ago had a lot of trouble. Um, but the Dallas Cowboys, they look like a college secondary in terms of coverage. You just don't typically see that in the pros where you no. just have guys just completely what throws that you and I could make legitimately. Like that's how open they were. And it was, it was like so frustrating. I turned it off in the middle of it, tried to go do something, came back. And it, just, it was bad, dude. It was bad yeah, football. I think they're over aggressive a lot of times defensively. Right, if a receiver puts his head down, they just turn to run full speed, and the receiver just stops and breaks out on a corner route, and they're just wide open. But they didn't the do that all year, though. The tight end, I know, I know. They lose in the tight end on that one play. I mean, I saw the tight end running across the field before Bomb before That's, he threw it. Yeah, I mean, he was so wide open; it wasn't even a good throw. He had to stand there and wait three seconds for the ball throw. to get there. And that's how. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody within twelve to fifteen yards. Of this guy, and it was all game long. I just don't understand how you can because I think we both agree this is a good football team, right? Watching them, I always felt like this is a really good football team that had the potential to make a Super Bowl run. Um, off offensively, I didn't think their run game was where it needed to be to go deep in the playoffs. Okay, I, I do so, understand that. I thought Pollard, um, had some better games as the season went on. You know, he's coming from like a just a gnarly knee injury. And, you know, it usually takes those running backs a whole year from the injury, right? Not just yeah. a season. And I felt like he was coming along, coming along. But in, in those games on the road, you kind of just saw that the, just that lack of a running game. However, their passing game, I thought, was probably one of the best in the league. Dak Correct. Prescott looked in control of that offense all year. C.D. Lamb was the best receiver in the league all the way since like week six or seven. Whenever they decided to remember that he was a part of the offense, he was fantastic. The guy had a bad game yesterday and still had nine catches for 110 yards. And, and that was a bad game for C.D. Um, so, it was. But I just don't think their offense was there. But defensively, Kevin, um, a couple of things. We go back to the Trayvon Diggs injury early wow. in the year. I think that – that was a bugaboo. Um, but Micah Parsons was still one of the best edge rushers in the league. And, boy, you didn't see it yesterday. No. It's just it – just, I guess what I, I'm having trouble, you know, understanding is how every facet of the game they were poor in. Literally, the passing game was horrible. Dak is missing throws from the jump. Him and C, they just Special weren't teams. in sync at all. Yep. They couldn't run the ball. And then on defense, they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't rush the passer, and they couldn't cover. And then the special teams were bad, too. They couldn't return punts. They couldn't return kicks. They're missing extra points. And then, of course, to the typical Cowboys with the un, the, the lack of discipline. Three penalties on the first drive defensively. Yeah. Right? I mean, they go right down the field and score. You could just yeah. tell just it just was off from the jump. And I don't understand how that happens in a game like this against a team like Green Bay. McCarthy just looks lost, though, dude. Like, he looks lost. And 
I, I don't know. You know, you don't know. If we, I just talked about like keeping a coach for longevity. All he's done is have like three 12 win seasons in a row, which in the NFL is enough to get you a home game just about every year. And so I don't know that you get rid of him. I don't know that it matters as long as you have Jerry Jones. What is it with it? What is it though? You know, I just wonder, like, um, just, how is he? Cause they, they have I, a good roster, right? Yeah. What is it? What does he do that hinders a team from winning in the playoffs? I'm just curious because I've heard people say that. I I would contend that they ha- that they have a good roster. I think I still think they're top heavy. Okay? okay, I think Dak is a good quarterback, and Parsons is a great edge, and and CD is a great tight end. Um, I'm a casual Cowboys fan, Kevin, and you're going to have to remind me who their two linebackers are. Like I can't think of who they are. They don't stick out to me. Well, they um, use Parsons as an off-the-ball linebacker a lot of the times, and they blitz him. And then on certain downs, they um, they put him on the edge. They also have um, – he's been injured, though. Leighton Van Der Esch is typically – Yeah. There. Oh, no, I know Van Der Esch, but Van Der Esch is injured all the time. Like, he's yeah. injured He's injured all the time. So, I don't know. I feel like – and then their offensive line – and maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe he's giving – McCarthy, everything he can give him. Uh, as talented as that offensive line is supposed to be, they haven't had a good run game this year, and that hurts you in the playoffs. No. The running game has been poor all year. And it's really interesting given the talent that they have on the offensive line. I, I just think that hurt I just think it hurts you in the playoffs. And you know, you look at the teams that are left, uh, and they can run the ball when they have to, you know. Um but anyway, that's your Cowboys. That's your Cowboys talk. Uh, Real quick, before to, we move yeah, on, go ahead. Hold on. Um, I do want to give um, credit to Jordan Love. Is he is he that good? No, that was an incredible performance. No, he's not that good. Right? I don't care who you play against in, in the NFL playoffs to play like that, as composed as he was, right? Because even though the Cowboys were horrible, he was really good. I just it just makes you wonder if he is good the Green Bay Packers could potentially have had three straight franchise quarterbacks. Remember they had Brett Favre and they went directly from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and then directly from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. I don't know if we've ever seen that in the history of the NFL, for teams that have three franchise quarterbacks, most teams can't even get two. The last time I remember teams with two legitimate ones, and I could be wrong about this. I could have missed somebody, but I'm thinking Joe Montana going, you know, the four is going from Montana to Steve Young. In the uh, late 1980s, early 1990s. Well, you are forgetting Tampa Bay going from uh, um, uh, Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. So something to consider. Something to consider. Um, that's a great that Kevin. That's a great thought there. I'm I'm kind of think I'm trying to go through some teams in my head. You thought maybe Seahawks were going to do it, but. Um, uh, the kid from who was it? The kid from Missouri is not as good as no. The kid no. from West Virginia is not as good as he. No, was last no, no. Year. he's okay. He's, he's solid, but yeah, no. Huh. Um, and wow. here's what I've noticed about them: they, in the case of Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, they drafted them before they needed them. Right? Remember, they drafted Aaron Rodgers yes. in 2005. He didn't become the starter until like 2008 or nine. And um, they they drafted Jordan Love in 2020. He becomes a starter in 2023. So 
So it just makes you wonder if he ends up being really good, they'll have three straight franchise quarterbacks. I think, first of all, I, I think the jury's out on Jordan Love. They did make the playoffs. They did get a playoff win. He played great in the playoffs. The Cowboys made him look way better than he is today. Not that he can't be good. It looks like the guy's got plenty of an, you know, plenty of arm and athletic and all of those things. Um, but we've seen that before. I, I just, I don't know. I put this on the Cowboys and the Cowboys alone. Um, and is that taking away anything from Jordan Love? Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm putting this on the Cowboys. I just thought Whoa. their game plan okay. was bad. I, I, I can't get excited about Jordan Love now. If he goes out and beats, if he goes out and beats the 49ers, let's have that conversation yeah, that's, again. That's, that's yeah, we're talking that's about different. something completely different. That's different. But um, anyway, uh, let me say this before we move on. Though four thousand one hundred fifty-nine yards, sixty-four percent completion percentage, thirty-two touchdowns, and eleven interceptions. That was what season. that's that's Jordan Love season. That's Jordan Love's season this year. How many yards? And over four thousand one hundred fifty-nine. So more than Baker. Yeah, more than Baker. And I think over the last like eight games, he's only thrown one interception. Wow. Well, maybe he's the man. We'll we'll see. So okay, this, this other could be game, happening. The uh just real quick, just running through Houston beats Cleveland. Um, the Bills are beating Pittsburgh. Uh the Taylor Swift Bowl on Peacock ended up being the Chiefs beating the Dolphins, which I don't think is a big surprise considering the weather the conditions. The Dolphins were never going to win that game. They were never gonna win that game. The minute it was the minute it was in Kansas City, that game was over. Um, and it's so the last one tonight. The, the other news, though, is the coaching carousel, both in the college ranks and in the pro ranks. Okay. So, and the reason it's kind of intertwined largely because of Jim Harbaugh. So, we will talk about Saban and we will talk about um, uh, Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama. But first, it is official. Harbaugh had an interview with the Chargers. Does is Harbaugh trying to get another raise at Michigan, or is he truly trying to get out of Michigan and get back in the NFL? Um, I, I think he's trying to go back to the NFL if the opportunity is right. Is yeah, he good I, enough I to be? The, wants, I think he wants a Super Bowl. Is he good enough to be the Cowboys coach? Yes. Ooh. Yes, absolutely. I think you're a Cowboys fan more than I am. Would you take? Would you want him as your coach? Would you take? One hundred percent. Yeah, I would. He, dude, he got Colin Cap. He got Colin Kaepernick to the. To the to the Super Bowl, to the Super Bowl, yeah, three NFC Championship games and to the Super Bowl and was this close to winning it? Yeah, um, yeah. I think so. Okay, so that leads us that. Uh, in addition, we had Bel- Bill Belichick out, Steve, uh, Pete Carroll out, Vrabel out, uh, the guy at the Chargers, whoever that was, was out. He needed to be out for that's two years overdue, by the way. Yeah, Brandon the Staley. One that, the one that surprised me is Vrabel. I, 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 again, I thought that maybe the Titans were going to err towards consistency. Uh, they didn't. Uh, Carroll doesn't surprise me. Dude's getting old. Belichick. I, the, the biggest question is, is Belichick. Carroll surprised play? me a little bit. Dude, they haven't been good for three years. I know so he's old, but it did, it, it did, it did surprise me though. It, it did. The timing of it this year, I, I thought if they would go one more year with him. I was a little bit surprised. Belichick, that had to end. It just had to. Oh, who'd you think would go one more year? Pete Carroll. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Belichick, no, that that was no surprise. That had to end, and it had to end now. No, Carroll had a chance to make the playoffs again, didn't he? Mm-hmm. In that last week? Correct. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I never really liked Pete Carroll, so I don't really care if he's gone or not. Yeah, but I just I think why. those those are some big names. Those are big names to be uh, out of there. And then, I, and I skipped the lead in terms of the coaching carousel news from the last couple of weeks. All that pales in comparison to the bet to the greatest college football coach of all time, Nick Saban, out at Alabama. He's done. Is it just a matter of uh, being done with NIL, or was this always his timeline? You know, I don't know if it was always his timeline, but I think he's smart enough to understand that, you know, he couldn't do everything that he once could, right? Maybe losing a little bit of steam with his with his age. And he was smart to get out now. We talked about this before. I told you that if Nick Saban had two mediocre seasons, that they would run him out of town. Yeah. You know, and they would have. Now, Dude, this they were is gonna one run- of his greatest – they were going to run yeah. him out of town after y'all beat them uh, in Tuscaloosa and they barely beat a South Florida team or South Alabama, exactly. you know, whatever team that was. Yeah. yeah they, were go- they were already mad at him. Correct. Correct. So he did the smart thing and got out early. Got out while you're still good. Don't get to the point because that's what they do in Alabama. They run coaches out. Gene Stallings, they ran him out. Right. They had the other coach that replaced him. I just cannot remember his name. Yeah, vandalizing his house. Like, come on, Franchione. Franchione? No, it was before him. I can't. Yeah, it was. It was a guy after Stallings. Because I think was white. I don't remember, but yeah, they. Um, he was really smart to get out. To get out now, while, you know, he leaves with his head up. He leaves as a winner, even though they lost in the college football playoff. He got that last victory over Georgia, ending their almost three-year winning streak. Right. And he no. leaves as the greatest coach of all time and as a winner. Um, okay, so Kalen DeBoers from Washington takes over. Uh we uh you do not have Alabama on your schedule next year, correct? But Oklahoma does. No. Correct. Yeah, we've since we've had them the last two years with the home and home, they did not put them on our schedule this year. Will look look, DeBoers is not Saban. Okay. I we both think he's a good coach. We liked what he did at um we liked what he did at Washington, clearly, making it, to the, making it to the national championship. But he's not Nick Saban, okay? There will be some drop-off. Will it be evident as early as next year that Alabama is not a Nick Saban-led Alabama? Or is there enough momentum in that program that DeBoers is going to have a couple of years of, of uh, tailwind to kind of get some momentum of his own going? You know, I think a lot of this is going to depend on what the roster looks like. Right, they've already lost a few guys to the portal. We'll see who they can get in to from the portal. You know, is he going to bring some Washington guys with him? Is he going to be able to get some guys? I think that's really what it's going to come down to. I think he's a good enough coach to where if they have a good roster, they can make something happen this this year. Now, I'm not saying that that means that they're going to make the college football playoff. I I think they're a team that could still be in the mix. Just because of the talent there, like I said, it just really depends on the the roster who stays and who goes. We uh, we're a little late in talking about this, but um, since we're talking about it now, was Sarkeesian ever a real candidate to go to Alabama? What are you what do you, what are you hearing? What did you hear? And you know, was that ever a legitimate thought process in his mind or Alabama's mind? I don't think so. I think Alabama would have would have loved Sarkeesian. I think they looked at him as a legit option. I mean, he they really love him there. The fans do. 
And I think the players would too. And they know that, I mean, what he did, he's taken Texas from five and seven to the college football playoff in two years. So the thing is, I don't see Alabama as a super desirable job. Right. Really? I mean, that, that goes ever... against, I mean, Alabama's right. the bluest. It's the, they're the bluest of the blue bloods. They they've, are. Estab- they've established um, a, a brand value that ranks in the top five. They, their NIL collectives are as big as any in the country. They're in the strongest conference in the country. Um, and you're saying you don't see it as a what? Top five job? Correct. Think about this, man. The amount of pressure there, what you have to do to get the respect of the fans there. Right? The, the coaches that they wanted. Dan Lanning, would you leave Oregon to go to Alabama right now? I, I think he well, I think that okay, so let's that's a great question. Here's my thought on that, right? Is if I was Lanning or Sarkeesian or even Dabo, although I didn't get the sense that Alabama that Dabo's star might have fallen a little bit, so maybe Dabo wasn't on there, maybe even a hardball. Let's just think about that, right? I don't think you I don't think it's so much as Alabama that you didn't want. I don't think you wanted Alabama following Nick Saban. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I think Dan Lanning might, you know, if if Kalen DeBoer's uh, or DeBoer is, you know, in five years goes, you know, nine and three over the next five years, you know, and, and they kick him out because that's not good enough, or maybe even four years, then I think you see the bigger names like the land, whoever that Lanning is in 2029. Or whatever Sarkeesian's done at Texas. Maybe they've even won a national championship. Who knows? I think then you say, okay, I'm ready to go to Alabama now. Like, I now I'm ready. Yeah. But I didn't think anybody wanted to follow Nick Saban. I think that yeah, there's too it's much. It's a no-win situation, right? And look, the, here's the thing about coaches, though, right? They're egotistical. That's how they've gotten to this point. By just, uh, agreed. Just like athletes, right? They have this self-belief that is unreasonable at times, right? That's what makes them unique from the rest of us. But it just did not seem like a good move. So Dan Lanning, stay at Oregon. You got the Nike money. You're building something there. So you're in the, you're in the Big Ten. You're in the Big Ten Correct. now. Yeah. yeah, you're in a great conference, right? You have a chance to be in the college football playoff every year at Oregon. Same with Sark, right? Think about this. He's known as a guy. You don't want to be the guy that replaced Nick Saban. He's the guy that replaced Tom Herman and rebuilt Texas. Yes. You want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy who went to Alabama and then turned a, you know, 12 and one program to a nine and three, you know, nine and four program. You don't want to be well, that person. I mean, look at like, look at Oklahoma as an example, right? So Bob Stoops retires and Lincoln Riley is anointed the coach. And all he did was go to three playoffs. <laughs> when he quit, Oklahoma fan was happy to see his ass gone. Right. I mean, it just because he wasn't Bob Stoops and he didn't do it the way we wanted it done. And it wasn't defensive led and it wasn't that. Now, can I make all the arguments as to why? Well, sure, I can. But I still think a big piece of that was. He followed Bob Stoops. It was a lot of institutional memory and that it's really hard. You now bring a Brent Venables in. Well, guess what? Brent Venables isn't following Bob Stoops now. He's following Lincoln Riley and everybody's happy to have. Uh, If if Brent Venables would have come in a, a week after Bob Stoops retires. I think the honeymoon's a lot shorter, you know, and I just don't right. think it's yeah. it. So I, I yeah, just like this year, you're celebrating a 10 and two season, regular season, right? It was a lot. Right. With a lot. Right. And you had, you had 10 and two seasons. 
with Lincoln Riley every year. But this one, you seem to oh, enjoy this season to more. Be, to be fair to Lincoln Riley, we had way better than 10 and 2 seasons for about three or four years in a row. Yeah. You had a lot of um well, a lot, a lot of eleven and one, and and win a Big Twelve championship, twelve and one, and go play in a playoff game. So, yeah. again, I, no, I hear you, and and the 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 logic of it, but my, that's my point is, I just don't. I, I think that I would argue that it is a better job. I think it is a top five job. Um, I don't know. I think I think if I really do think if Texas has it rolling, okay, if Texas has it rolling and there was some mechanism, and this is a big and, right? This is like a big piece of it. But there was some mechanism to um, mute or at least muffle some of the booster influence. I still think Texas has the biggest opportunity to be the best job in the country. I really do. I, I agree. Recruiting, yeah. uh, name brand, biggest state, et cetera, et cetera. I, I still think Texas and is probably honestly, number I one. I think with their current athletic director, Chris Del Connie. Everything seems to be aligned right now. I'm not hearing anything about boosters. Yeah. You know, things seem to be going and it's just it is not the right time for Sark to leave. And honestly, it would be a lateral move at best. Even though despite all their success under Saban, that's him. That's not necessarily Alabama. I know they have a great history, but these are just very special people who they've had, right? They've had Bear Bryant. Gene Stallings got the one natty in 92. And then they've been running coach off, running coach off. And they got kind of lucky with Saban. Remember, Rich Rodriguez turned them down. Oh, I didn't remember. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Know, Nick's, the, this is before they the, got Saban. I heard the biggest reason Saban wanted out was because his wife wanted out of Miami. Out of the Correct. Dolphins. Yes. She wanted to be back and she wanted to be the college coach's wife. When you're the NFL coach's wife, it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same as being the college coach's wife. So she missed that. She missed college football. That's why he left the Dolphins and went to it. Because the players in Miami love Nick Saban. I've heard Jason Taylor, Hall of Famer, talk about how he loved Nick Saban, how close they still are to this day. Yeah, you didn't get the same. You don't get the. You didn't get the same stories as when uh, Petrino left Atlanta. It wasn't the same stories. Correct. It was. No. You, you didn't. That. 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 that um. That storyline wasn't as it wasn't as prevalent as he just left and quit. Right. It was more like, yeah, he went to Alabama. That's kind of how it went. Uh, shout out to Nick Saban, real quick. I mean, for just completely changing the game of college football, we've never seen anybody in this era be able to win six national championships with one team. I mean, they're the gold standard of all college football programs, even historically. We've never seen anything like this before. I mean, we can talk about in the 1950s when they didn't have scholarship restrictions. You know what I mean? But in this era, and he was always able to evolve, right? If you look oh, at but even, Nick Saban's teams. So in the, 1950, there, so in the 1950s, it was Oklahoma Sooners. They won three national yeah. championships in the 1950s. No scholarships, but that they won three. And in, in one of those, they lost their bowl game. And still, in 1950, if I'm not mistaken, they lost their bowl game and still won a national championship. Yeah. Okay? He did it in what was the BCS era uh, and also included an SEC championship game that he had to play in addition to then a, a four-team playoff. Now, I will say I don't think it's a coincidence in addition to NIL that you also had the 12-team playoff 
it is going to become that much harder to consistently win national championships with a 12-team college football playoff in 2024. It really, really will. And one thing about him is how he was able to evolve, right? Remember his first teams? He's running the ball three yards in a cloud of dust, right? He's got a fullback, two tight ends in there. Then once A&M comes to the SEC and they get lit up by Johnny Manziel, he knew he said, this is what's happening. we got to get in front of this. we got to change our offense. And he did that. And this is a coach who grew up, you know, who his whole fundamentals have been defense and running the football, but he was able to change because he knew he had to if he wanted to stay successful. So he was willing to change, and we saw that lead to several more national championships. So I think that's been the best thing about him is despite most coaches being old and stubborn and sticking to their system, which ends up ending their careers, like we saw with coaches like Les Miles, him being able to evolve is what helped that program to continue to be successful. Well, I, you know, I think that the fascinating part is how he's managed his staff all those years because it wasn't a, it wasn't a consistent staff. You know, it was a different offensive coordinator every two or three years. For head coaching jobs every other year. Yeah, a different defensive coordinator every two or three years. But, but to, so, so two things to, for him to be able to maintain this, the same high level of intensity, I think is a credit to him, but it's also because he's, he's willing to get coaches in there and know that they're only going to be for two or three years. Like they're going to be hungry. They're trying to get, a, they're trying to get paid. Sarkeesian hey, was not trying to just be an offensive coordinator at Alabama. He was trying to get a job again. Same with even Lane Kiffin. Right. And so then, but then he also has, he gets to reinvent to your point, reinvent himself every two or three years with a different attitude, a different perspective, uh, a different paradigm as to how you should approach things. And they can take what's always worked at Alabama and some of their ideas. And he was clearly willing to accept it. It's really just a lesson in leadership that needs to be, that needs to expand way past the football field as to how he just could, he didn't get stuck in the same thing year after year, whether it was his own mind or whether it was his willingness to use his staff and the constantly rotating figures. I completely agree. And also don't forget the fact that he was the first one to expand and have this crazy large support staff, which is always legal. Mm -hmm. Correct. He brings in former head coaches just to have other eyes on the program. What do I need to be doing? What am I missing here? What can I do? You know, when you're the guy, you have to oversee everything, right? And then inevitably going to be things that you miss. When you have guys on your staff, that have been head coaches before, they could say, hey, just what about this here? Uh, and you have all these guys, head coaches, who are watching game film and scouting your opponents for you weeks in advance. I mean, so we talk about an innovator. That's Nick Saban. Tommy Reese isn't going to stay with him, with him, is he? I wouldn't think so. I think he's bringing in the um, – Kalen DeBoer is bringing in his offensive coordinator from Washington. Good. I didn't think. I think if anything, if we we're going to have one knock on him, and the reason why maybe Milrow wasn't better than he could have been is Tommy Reese. I think he was holding him back. Okay. Um, let's jump back over. Well, let's let's first let's first give a shout out since it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a podcast to our title sponsor, Brown O'Haver. Uh, Brown O'Haver is a public insurance adjusting firm. They work for you, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss, and let me give you an example, if you've had pipes burst over this super crazy cold spell that we're experiencing right now. And maybe you've gotten water throughout your house. It's causing you to file an insurance claim. You want to call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. 
and just just check with us. Just say, hey, am I doing everything right? Am I following the steps? I don't want to get taken advantage of. In fact, I want to come out a little bit ahead. Am I doing everything right? We'll talk to you and make sure you're doing the right stuff. Maybe we recommend we you hire us. Maybe we say you do it on your own because it's the best deal for you. Whatever the case may be, I promise you, you want the advice. We handle 40 to 50 cl- large claims a month. Most homeowners have average holding uh, handling one claim in their lifetime. So we have the experience. We've been doing it since 2006 in Oklahoma, 1988 nationwide. Give Brown O'Haver a call. Handling insurance claims for you, not the insurance company. 405-735-5510. Kevin, uh, transfer portal. Um, Between the two schools, this name sounds very, very, very familiar. What is Texas thoughts on Charles Thompson and the winding path he took to get back to the University of Oklahoma? Well, Casey Thompson. First of all, what's going to be I wrote Charles year. Thompson. Well, I wrote it's, Charles it's, Thompson. It's his son, right? It's his so, son. It's his son. Yeah, well, Sorry. you know, it's been an interesting journey for him, right? I mean, he starts at Texas back in 2018. Right? He's there for a couple of years, backing up Ellinger. Sark comes in, finally gets his chance to start. Plays pretty well overall. Gets injured in the Red River shootout game. Season kind of falls apart for him and the team. And, you know, I think it was just pretty clear that Sark wanted to bring in another quarterback. Right? Goes after Quinn Ewers, so he hits the portal, ends up in Nebraska. They're starting quarterback for a couple years. Again, just kind of up and down, right? He had moments where the team wasn't good. So, leaves in, reunites with Tom Herman back at Florida Atlantic. You know, season starts off well, tears at the ACL. He's out for the season. So, I mean, hey, if he this is what he wants to do. If he wants to keep playing college football, he ends up back at home. Hey, good for him. Listen, Jackson Arnold's our starting quarterback. This guy's not being brought in to challenge for that. But, the, you know, the other option is, um, oh, golly, who's our who's who's the guy we just signed? My 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 mom. Uh, the me. Hawkins kid. Yeah, Michael Hawkins. Or Michael Hawk. You don't want Michael Hawkins to be your backup, okay? You just not at all. No, you, you don't. Uh, even Jackson Arnold, we didn't really want him to be our backup. They tried to hold him off and and keep that red shirt alive until, but BYU forced that out of you know forced him out of that. But you you don't want Michael Hawkins to be your backup. You 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 want a guy like this. You want a guy that can come in and a not lose you a game and maybe in some ways have some arm talent enough to go ahead and win you a couple games, especially against. Especially in the especially in the SEC, right where you're you're going against big boys. This guy Casey Thompson's mature. He's seen stuff. Is he the best quarterback ever? No, by no means. Not. But but a very. I mean, in terms of a backup quarterback, Kevin, you take him as a backup quarterback right now. Am I wrong? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. I, I mean, like and look at what like and, and, and look at Malik this past year. Malik stepped in in a role, and you had to have a good backup. You didn't want true freshman Arch to be that guy. You were able to bring Malik in. He didn't make any mistakes. In fact, made a couple big throws that you know put you in positions to go ahead and win games. That's what Oklahoma needs if they're going to be able to survive in the SEC. Um, right, maybe Kansas State, a really good K State team with Malik Murphy starting the and playing the entire game. Yes, and if uh, Jonathan Brooks doesn't fumble, it probably doesn't go to overtime. So, um, but anyway, yeah, Casey Thompson. I'm, I'm excited about that. Oklahoma, we haven't talked a ton of transfer portal, picked up a tight end out of Baylor from uh, Jake Roberts, who is from Oklahoma. So it's good to kind of have him back. Um, uh, Michael Tarquin, a USC offensive tackle, 
other offensive linemen. We, we already talked about Spencer Brown from Michigan State. Also North Texas. Uh, Fabichi Nawawu is another inside offensive lineman. Um, and then Bauer, uh, Bauer Sharp is uh, from South, uh, Southeastern Louisiana, tight end, a four-star. You guys, on the other hand, do not have near the guys. So Oklahoma currently has 10 and is working on what I, my guess is is a probably a couple another uh, another couple offensive linemen. Oklahoma's transfer portal class could be as high as 12, 13, or 14. You guys currently only have four, but the four you have are some studs. Isaiah Bond out of Alabama, five-star wide receiver. Trey Moore out of UTSA, a four-star edge player. Andrew Mukubu out of Clemson, which sucks that he didn't consider OU, so I'm frustrated about that one. Safety, four-star. Matthew Golden out of Houston, wide receiver, four-star. So maybe not in terms of the quantity that Oklahoma has, but the quality, you've got to be really, really happy with where you're at in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, extremely excited about these these guys. Trey Moore, I mean, he's local kids, Smithson Valley High School in the San Antonio area. At UTSA, 22 sacks over the last two years, including 14 last year. So he's a guy who's shown he can get after the quarterback. Texas clearly needs that. You saw the Washington game. Really, the difference in the game was the lack of pressure they were able to get on Penix. So he's going to come in and make an impact. Man, the Isaiah Bond one, though, this is what Sark's really been looking for. There are a lot of guys in the portal that were that Texas was looking at, including Deion Burks, who ended up at at OU. Yep, I didn't um, mention him. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. They considered him, but I think Sark was just kind of holding out. But when Bond became available, you know, he was all in. It's a huge deal. He was Alabama's best receiver. We've seen him make big plays for them in the clutch. We saw the touchdown against Auburn that saved their season on fourth and goal from the thirty-one yard line. That was him who caught that pass. So, I mean, he's a guy who can come in and be our number one receiver. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He's dynamic. Really excited about him. And now, then you mentioned – Real quick, did Bond – while we're, we're talking about Bond, did Bond leave before or after Saban announced his retirement? He left after Saban announced his retirement. That's okay, the so only this is reason a, that he left. This is a Saban casualty, not this so is, much. Correct. Okay, okay. Yeah, this has nothing to do with anything that happened on the field, like a playing time. Wanting a different opportunity. No, he he announced when Saban retired that he was entering the portal. Interesting. Uh, Texas okay. got him on campus this weekend, and um, and he committed. So, like I said, we're really really excited about him. Makuba, I mean, he is an Austin kid, right? He's from Austin originally. Went to Clemson. I think the opportunity just to come back home, kind of like you mentioned, the kid from Baylor who's transferring. Mm-hmm. To OU, right? Yep, Jake to Roberts. be able to come home and play for a good OU team, it's a great opportunity for him. Same thing with uh, with Makuba. He's been an impact player for Clemson the last three years, so I'm excited to see. He has the potential to play nickel or safety. He's played both for Clemson, so we're excited to see what he can do. And Matthew Golden is a really fast receiver. He scored two touchdowns against Texas in their game against Houston this past year. And he brings great special teams values. He's one of the best returners in all of college football. So it seems like, you know, our roster is good, but they're just using the portal just to fill certain holes, right? When you lose Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and Jordan Whittington, you got to replace that. We've got young, talented guys. We need somebody with some experience out there playing receiver. We don't want to go into the season with three guys 
who have never really caught passes, who haven't played in big moments in college football. So we'll bring um, these guys in for a year or two while our younger guys continue to develop. Besides Malik Murphy, were there any other big losses in the portal for you guys? You know, we had Caden Green. That one that one sent ripples through through our timelines, but not really anybody in Texas, right, outside of Malik Murphy? No, nobody like that. No big-time starters. There were some deaf guys, some young guys who were looking to maybe see what they can do next year, but nobody who had a lot of experience, who had made huge plays for us, that's leaving that we're really going to miss at this point. Okay. All right, well – I think I think it's interesting. I think I would pers- if I was. I mean, as an OU fan, I would prefer to see what y'all are doing in the portal, right? A little more selective. But if we have to go to the portal and we got to get some guys, I'm happy with the guys that we've gotten. I think we filled some needs. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. You guys are rebuilding your roster too. Ever since Venables has gotten there, right? With Texas, kind of has a one year head start on that. You have a mass exodus anytime you have a new coach come in, and you know. You got to fix the roster, man. And that's the great thing about the portal. You lose guys to it, but then you get guys from it to you, right? Texas lost some guys. Then we get these guys. We're excited about it. And I don't think they're done, too, right? Um, no, I don't think you're you done. You lose Otavian Sanders, so you need, a, you need a tight end. Gunnar Helm, who's there, who's played well when he's been on there, but you need another guy, too. So um, I think that we're looking there and also at defensive tackle to see who um, – who comes available to Okay, speaking of defensive tackle, you had a four-star uh, defensive lineman, DeAndre Robinson, not show up first day of classes, did not move into the dorms or wherever freshmen move into. Um, is this guy out? Is he all, Is he already in the portal? What's going yeah, on Yeah, it seems like, well, well, you know, Texas lost their defensive line coach, Bo Davis, right? He's one of the best coaches on the staff, one of the best defensive line coaches in all of college football, and he left to go to – to LSU. He played at LSU. So, um, yeah, he got a great contract to leave and, and go there. So, and he was his main recruiter. So this happens sometimes, right? He had second thoughts, did not show up. He has been in communication with Sark. He's been talking to him, but it, you know, it's the understanding that I have that he is asking out of his letter of intent. And I think when that happens, right, I think it's in the best interest of everybody involved to grant him his release from his letter of intent. You don't want anybody there who doesn't want to be there. You want to force a guy to play for you. Let him out. Let him go wherever he wants to go. Well, what's the point, right? Because he can enter the portal after spring anyway, can he? Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, you, he can. So, again, I think you try to convince him that despite losing his position coach that recruited him, Texas is still going to be the best place for him. But, again, if you do that and the kid just wants out, let him out. That's how we got I, Xavier so, Worthy. I don't know if you if you knew that. No, go ahead. But, yeah, Xavier Worthy had signed with Michigan out of high school. And what, what happened was he was going to enroll early, and it turns out that one of his credits did not qualify him to enroll early at Michigan. He would have to wait in the summer. But whatever that credit was was fine for him at Texas. So he was able to ask out of his letter of intent at Michigan and he signed and enrolled at Texas. That's how we got X. No, I think. I mean, I think you got to let a kid out. I, I do think you, you you try as hard as you can. But the the fact is, the transfer portal makes it null and void. I mean, correct. and isn't there? An, and there's another port. And there's another portal season right after spring, right? So yes, correct. So and what again, are we doing? He's a position of need. He's a talented player. But again, if he oh, had dude. an attachment with only Bo Davis, kid wants out. But 
every D, every defensive lineman in the country is a position in need. I'll tell you that. All right. Uh, let's close uh, with a little. Um, let's close with a little men's basketball. This is how. This is how. Let me just throw the records out and the standings. This is how tough it is to play in the Big Twelve. Okay, Texas is tenth in the Big Twelve right now. Tenth. Their record's twelve and four. Twelve and four. Like a clearly overwhelming winning record. Your only losses are to uh, what at the time was the number one UConn team, Marquette, Texas Tech, West Virginia. That so, West Virginia loss is really going to hurt them down the line. West Virginia is not a good team. That's not a good team. Uh, but at the same time, you just you see twelve and four, and you go, man, how are they tenth? Yeah. Um, Oklahoma thirteen and three. They're eighth in the Big Twelve. Also one and two in the Big Twelve. Losses to North Carolina at Charlotte. And then, then the two road losses in the Big 12. Here's the problem for Oklahoma is they're not they're not the same team when they're playing in front of fans, right? So if they don't have to play in front of fans at Norman, they're great. To them, it's like a JV game or something, you know? So they're fine there. They have to go play in front of real fans, and they struggle. Uh, the other thing, too, is I think after I've gotten to watch this team a little bit more and kind of my, my opinion has matured a little bit, Milo Suzon is a solid, solid point guard, verging on really, really, really good. McCollum, good basketball player, good shooter, a little streaky, but good player. The other guys, I, ju- I just think they're they're way more athletic than we had last year. Maybe not the athletic plus basketball IQ that you need to compete in the Big 12, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense, right? And you know, as far as Texas goes, I, I don't know what to make of them so far. There's some things that I've seen that are very concerning. I like the uh, Ace Miss kid that they got who transferred from um, Oral Roberts. He's been great so far. But overall, man, something just seems a little bit off with the chemistry of the team. I know they got a bunch of new guys in there, so I'm trying not to withhold judgment. Fans are kind of already oh, they're on, you're, they're on your turn co- on Ryder They're on Terry. your coach right now. Yeah, oh, my. Yeah, absolutely. They are, so – We'll see if they can turn it around, man. But as of right now, I don't know. They, they look like a borderline tournament team, which would be an extreme drop-off from being in the Elite Eight this close to the Final Four last year. So I know Chris Beard had a great effect on this team, but obviously he got fired. He's at Ole Miss now. So we'll, we'll see if Coach Terry can get it together. Can I give uh, my, uh, my, my semi-monthly – uh, ESPN plus rant right now. Is this an appropriate time for that? 54 minutes into the podcast. Yeah, man, we're wrapping it up. That's what are you doing, dude? Okay. Forget Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma. I, I don't understand how Oklahoma is on ESPN plus, but that's fine. That's fine. Maybe Oklahoma is supposed to have an ESPN plus ESPN plus game. You know, when they play Iowa state or when they play Baylor or some team that nobody cares about. Okay. Let's put OU aside. Let's put Texas aside. Maybe we're not blue blood or basketball programs. That's fine. It's freaking Kansas, Kevin. Kansas is in a top 10 matchup in conference with a team that they will play for the last time at home. What in the world is that going on ESPN plus four? I know it's a money grab. I get it. I understand it. It doesn't matter. It sucks. It sucks for the game. It sucks for getting eyeballs on the game. It's just a bad look, dude. And I can't stand it. They've got so many ESPN channels. ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, 
ESPN Classic still out there somewhere, you know? Like, whatever, dude. They're everywhere. In addition to your ABCs and any other carrier you can find, I can't imagine for a second that Kansas, Kansas deserves to be on ESPN Plus and a top 10 matchup. Yeah, and I agree. And it's not like they were competing against the NFL playoffs, right? The games didn't no. start until later on, to two hours. You it know, could start after. it whenever they want. It could have been an 11 a.m. kickoff. They could have started it whenever. It doesn't matter. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what they're doing. And it seems like if you have the game on ESPN Plus, yes, it's a money grab, but it's not a big enough fan interest to where you're going to have all these people sign up for ESPN no. Plus just to watch it. It's not a football game where you only get 12 a year so you're not going to miss one even if it's on espn plus this is a basketball game and they missed out a chance to get some pretty good ratings and like you said get eyeballs on the product of college basketball you know i I, yes i think that espn plus for college sports especially basketball has probably reached their max q like this is probably as good as you're going to get now if if a team makes a i don't even think if, if a team makes a run i just think that at this point, ESPN Plus as a product has reached a point of saturation where you are what you are. So maximize that product, you know, maximize it however you think you need to do it. And it's been, listen, I think it's been great for Olympic sports. It's been great for volleyball. It's been great for a lot of, di- you know, different sports that maybe you don't get to see on TV all the time. Correct. I, I, I should be a little more cognizant of that fact. But for revenue producing sports, it's a top 10 matchup with Kansas. It just, yeah, it's so stupid. Season. It's like, why are you not advertising that as your, your ESPN game of the week at 11 a.m.? Like how that's not your game of the week. There wasn't a better game that morning than Oklahoma and Kansas was in basketball. It just wasn't. It, it, and so to put it on plus, it to, to, in your hopes that you're going to steal some, some subscribers, just it doesn't make sense to me, dude. It doesn't make sense. Completely agree, man. Agree. Don't be other sports, but not don't. Yeah, football and basketball. Come on, man. Uh, did, did you already had a Peacock network though? You probably watched Taylor Swift dancing around, right? I did. Yeah, I had Peacock because um, sat it for a while, man. I yeah. So you're I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I I held firm. I was at um, uh, I was at BJ's Roadhouse down in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, literally somebody from the from like inside the restaurant went up to them and said, Hey, I've got to log in. And they sat there. Oh, how cool like is a, that? A, a patron. They were like, Oh sure. Great. Logged in and put the game up or I wouldn't how have cool seen any that? of it. Hey, yeah. So cool. shout out to that person. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Everybody was like clapping for him and stuff, but yeah, they literally just gave him the clicker and he's up there throwing his, his credentials in or whatever. I don't know. Everybody's mad at. I'm not mad at Taylor Swift. I'm not mad at the dance. Like whatever, dude. It's a football game. It was freaking freezing. Like whatever you had to do to stay warm. Any, well, I don't care. I mean, look at look at the Detroit game. Eminem's there. Kid Rock's there. Like that's what people do. So if this is your fan, whatever. I'm just mad they put it on Peacock. I thought that was. I still think that's weak. I think. Yeah, you know that's a money grab. That is a legit money grab. That is a money grab. But that the difference is that's a Taylor Swift money grab, right? It wasn't a football money grab. Kevin, it was a Taylor Swift money grab. You know that, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that played a huge part in it. What a huge say, 20, part in it. It was 90% of it, Kevin. It was 90% that, of that, it. That will constitute a huge part of it. Yeah, it was a ginormous part of it. I don't even know. Yes. Whatever. But here's the thing about NFL fans are going to watch. The Amazon 
Prime ratings games are high. And people signed up for it who don't care about Amazon Prime just to watch the NFL because it's the NFL. Um, okay, I agree with you on that, right? And I watch it too, although I don't love it. And we've talked about this because it's so hard Neither to do I, the broadcast. It's, yeah. The broadcast isn't great, and then you just can't even flip channels in the middle of it. So I don't know. I always find it to be a pain in the ass. But yes, I do watch it. So, but look, if Amazon Prime said, hey, You've signed up for this for an entire year, and as your reward for having signed up for this entire year, we're going to give you a playoff game on Amazon Prime. Okay? Yeah. Do I think that would suck a little bit? Yes, but I'd, I'd had it for the entire year, right? I'd already made the decision for Amazon Prime to be a point at which I interface with uh, NFL football. Peacock, it's like, what am I going to go watch, like the new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on there or something like Forget about yeah. it, dude. First of all, and second of all, that program's not very good. That was a I'm all for reboots. That was not the one to reboot. They didn't do a very good job with that. I haven't seen an episode, man. Well, yeah, because um, it sucks. You have Peacock. Let that sit. Dude, it's, here's the deal. Will Smith, it was always a very lighthearted show. You know, it, at the end of the day, it was lighthearted. It was you were happy when you watched the show. Now there was a couple ones when Will Smith like was talking about he doesn't want me, you know. Oh, yeah, it's Phil. Funny. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whew. I mean, I could look, I could yeah, tear up right hit, now. I could tear up right now. So there's some times there, but for the most part, it was a happy go lucky show. You know, yeah. they tried to make it dark, Kevin. They tried yeah, to go a little darker. Yeah. Oh, come on, dude. You don't need that. There's enough dark stuff on there. If I want to watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air, I want to watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air. But I got you. Whatever. Modern times, man. Different times. Um, I was a kid. Uh when it, when did Fresh Prince come out? How old would I have been? Ninety one. Okay, yeah, that's about right. So I was like 12 or 13. And, um, of course, I loved it. You know, I'm thinking this is yeah, great. great. It's great. And so my dad's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, I'm watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, it's great. You know, it's this rich kid, or it's this poor kid moved in with his rich parents. You know, the whole deal. So my dad sits down, and it's the episode where Will is playing basketball for the team. And he comes in, and he's like a stud, and he's an yeah. all-star. And it, it goes to his head and he treats his cousin, you know, he treats uh, Carlton. Um, Carlton like crap. And, you know, he's just a real jerk. Right. So yeah. my dad, 20 minutes into the show, is like, this is terrible. This is what we're watching now. This is what's happening. This is what this is what it's come to is that we're accepting <laughs> of this behavior. You know, and I'm like thinking to myself, man, I, I picked the wrong episode for my dad to watch, you know. But then by the end, Will gets taught the lesson. That yeah, you know the team is better than him, family's bigger than him. You got to do the right things. My dad's like, okay, I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Yes, it's a good show. Although Carlton was, was a hater when he ripped the wall from him and threw the half court shot that bounced off the wall. I remember that because he was so <laughs> jealous. It was like down to the last shot. He like set up the play for Will, of course. So good. Will had the ball. He goes, rips it, throws a half court <laughs> shot, misses the basket completely, bounces off the wall to lose the game. Well, that wasn't Carlton's best moment, but. No. Still, it was a good dude. Listen, man, life lessons, yeah, right? Life lessons all you, and I are, you and I are doing the Boomer Beaver podcast because of episodes like Will Smith in the in the early nineties. Are you kidding me? Absolutely, I love that show. Were you freaked out when? Uh, were you freaked out when uh, Aunt Vi uh, was different? Oh, Aunt Viv, yeah, Aunt Viv, yeah, it was. That, yeah, there was no mention of it. I'm like, who the heck is this? Like, hey, Aunt Viv. I'm like, Aunt Viv, you you ain't Aunt Viv. Who are you? No, that was Aunt Viv. Yeah. Oh, it was Jasmine, the older one. Who was the older one? Hillary. Dude, Hillary was. Oh, yeah. 
Young John Whitson thought Hillary was really, really, really good looking. Later to appear yes. on, um, she was. Later to appear on major. Later to appear on Major Pain, where yes. she was equally as good looking as a school nurse, which that took it to a whole nother level. It's like yeah. school nurse Hillary. Uh, I mean, yeah. school. Yeah. Oh, jeez. This. Hey, listen, Kevin. This thing could go off the rails if we don't stop talking right now. We could go off into every crush. This is what I we do, man. It's that we're a hundred episodes in. This is kind of. It was bound to. It was bound to get to Hillary at some point. <laughs> I'm surprised it took. The, I'm disappointed it took this long. We might go back. Maybe there's a mention of it. Uh, Kevin, uh, we've got two minutes until uh, Tampa Bay and Philly kickoff, so I'm going to go watch that. You have a great night. Episode 100 was epic as always, and we'll talk. Uh, well, let's talk. Yeah, you know, maybe in a week, whatever. We'll just see how it's going, right? Yeah. Also, thank you to everybody that's listening for sticking with us for 100 episodes. So here's to 100 more. Dude, that's absolutely right. Please, guys, like, share, subscribe, send us some comments. We'd love to hear them. And uh, the first 100 has been great, and we're going to keep it going. Kevin, have a great night. Boomer! Hug him. <laughs>